to Save Me and I'll See, the show that talks about musicals in an understandable and relatable way. I am Katie, and I'm joined by my fellow musical enthusiasts, Amber and Kylie. Hello. Hello. Also joining us is our musical newbie, Matt. Hi. Yikes. <laughs> and on this week's episode, it's actually a Matt episode. And what did you call it, Kylie? I like the way you said it. A matsicle? A matsicle. Not a, the delicious frozen treat. But nice. it could be that too. <laughs> but. Well, technically. Uh, <laughs> Part so of that's right. Today, I am covering one that is a request of our great host, Katie. Hello. Um, she requested that I cover Titanic, the musical. Ba, 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 ba. Woo! Woo! On the list of things that probably didn't need a musical about it. Yay! Tragedies. Yeah! So, um, a little bit of background information on this show. This is a musical based on the story of the RMS Titanic, which sank on its maiden voyage on April 15th, 1912. The music and lyrics of the show were done by Maury Easton and book by Peter Stone. show opened on Broadway on April 23rd, 1997 at the Loop Fontaine Theatre and ran for 804 performances and closed on March 21st, 1997. Avid fans of the Titanic movie will be able to piece it together that this came out in the same year as that movie. Which is So wild. they are not connected. <laughs> Just happened to be two stories about the same event. <laughs> oh. Which is wild to me. Yeah. Uh, the so, same uh, yeah, definitely not what you initially think going in by the main media of the Titanic. Titanic. Yeah. So the Broadway show was directed by Richard Jones, choreography by Lynn Taylor Corbett. This cast included a metric butt-ton of people. Oh. There are so many different characters. They're all kind of separated by the crew of the ship, first class, second class, and third class. So I'm not going to name everybody, just kind of mostly the key-ish players for the named cast. But we've got John Cunningham as Captain E.J. Smith. David Garrison as J. Bruce Ismay, Larry Keith as Isidore Strauss, Alma Cuervo as Ida Strauss, Michael Severus as Thomas Andrews, Victoria Clark as Alice Bean, Don Stevenson as Charles Clark, and Brian Darcy James as Frederick Barrett. He plays, he's like our kind of hero, the good guy in the story, but... Protagonist? For those of you listening to the Broadway soundtrack, which will be linked in the show notes. Might sound familiar because we recently listened to him as Shrek in <laughs> Shrek the Musical. Uh. This is an earlier performance, so he sounds a little bit younger, not so deep. But he's he's actually really good. I like him a lot. Nice. But definitely definitely weird on the first listen where I was just like, wait, hold on. <laughs> I recognize that swamp voice. <laughs> <laughs> So the show opened up to mixed to positive reviews at first, but however, it did get a clean sweep at the Tony Awards for it. Oh. So it was nominated for five awards, winning all of them, including Best Musical, Best Score, Best Book, Best Scenic Design, Best Orchestration. Wow. So yeah, pretty, pretty big awards to get. It's wild. Yeah, for the Broadway show, the, what I was reading, apparently the set was kind of complicated and expensive to make. So they had it set in three layers to, like, show where different things were happening on the ship. So apparently it was kind of hard for smaller productions or, like, traveling shows to really kind of get it right. Yeah. So that's probably why it didn't have, like, super crazy stuff. But Katie, I believe you said you actually have seen this? Yes. I actually saw this one. It had to have been in, like, 2000. 10 or 11 at the Muni Theater here in St. Louis. And I don't remember much of it because there was a lot going on. And like Matt said, like the set wasn't good. <laughs> I remember that. Like their, I mean, their budget isn't huge for these kinds of things. And I just, it just didn't make an impact on me because it just felt, I don't know. It just didn't feel done. <laughs> Nothing... It's just kind of like a pretense of, of the show. Nothing about it, like, song-wise, really stands out. Where I'm not like, ooh, yeah, this one song is, like... Yeah. Like, so iconic from the show. It's like, oh, they're all kind of... 
Samey? They, oh, no, they sounded weird. a lot alike to me. Yeah. However, going back to its Broadway run, actually the lobby of the Lundfontein Theater was completely redecorated for this production. Oh. So they had a complete passengers list kind of up on the walls in their main lobby That's of everybody that was on the on the boat, as well as kind of noting who ended up surviving. That's cool. Yeah. So they were like, in They're on in this it. production. Nice. So after its Broadway run, the show had many different productions all over the world. So it had a U.S. tour starting in January 1999 in L.A., it also had, yeah, many international productions, including a Dutch production, which started on September 23rd, 2001, a German production that started on December 7th, 2002, production in Ireland on May 17th, 2005, Canadian production in February 2006, an Australian show in October 2006, Japanese show in 2007, and in 2010 it opened in Norway. And then in twenty or November 2017, there was a production in Seoul, Korea. Nice. So the show is translated in, like, many different languages. And I guess, yeah, it's just kind of, like, generally known by kind of most people, I guess, from hmm. history classes. I don't know what all's really taught in, like, dozen countries, but it had some audience. That's cool. So Yeah, I don't remember learning much in school about it. About the Titanic? Yeah. I did, I did most of my research on my own, and I even skipped class in elementary school with my teacher's permission to go see the Titanic, the exhibit that came through. I've always the, wanted to see that, and I never had. It was super cool, so I wrote a report about it. Yeah. I was really into it, because I'm a weirdo. <laughs> and then in uh, February 2014, most of the Broadway cast reunited and staged a concert at the Lincoln Center. That's neat. So, yeah, they just had a big event. I guess just singing all the songs. So that's yeah, pretty... Like my missus done a few of those. But yeah, that kind of covers the kind of general background information on this show. And are we ready to uh, hop on into our prologue? Well, there's a prologue. Yeah. Oh. I gotta introduce the eight million characters that are in this story. Alrighty. So our show starts off with the Titanic's designer, Thomas Andrews, marveling at the great things that mankind has accomplished over the years, the pyramids, Great Wall of China, and he's now adding the Titanic to that list. Ah, and this is in the song In Every Age. And then we're introduced to Fred Barrett, who they kind of like put their job titles first. Before, like, their names. So he's a stoker, so he works down in the boiler rooms. And he's, like, the main guy that makes sure that the ship is running correctly. But he arrives at the docks in Southampton and is amazed by this mighty feat of engineering. How did they build the Titanic? He's like, this is crazy. I oh mean, my God. I mean, that's fair. Yeah, I've never seen yep. a ship like this. Yeah, it was like the largest. 11 mm-hmm. stories, like, from its lowest to its highest. Something like that. Like, massive. Barrett is joined by lookout Frederick Fleet and wireless telegraph operator Harold Bride. And kind of joining him in this awe of this ship, they're like, This is crazy! We get to work on this? Oh my god! And this is in the song, There She Is. So, you can kind of even pick up from this prologue. There's a lot of songs where it'll start with, like, one person and then, like, big group singing. Or, like... Ma- like the, they do that like mashup thing where they're kind of doing either two different songs or different parts of the song kind of uh, singing at the same time. They do yeah. that a lot in this show, which I think adds to the samey feel. Because yeah. they, if they, they do it like every other song, so you're just kind of like, eh. Yeah. Wasn't my cup of tea. But it didn't, it doesn't sound bad. It's, it's all very pleasant, nice music. Yeah. But just kind of, eh, just kind of set the tone for strange, I don't know, strange for me. <laughs> After that, J. Bruce Ismay, Andrews, and Captain E.J. Smith all kind of congratulate each other on being respectively the owner, designer, and captain of the largest moving object in the world. Ooh. So there are a bunch of fancy white dudes just kind of... Patty themselves in the back. Yeah. <laughs> now the crew is all kind of boarding onto the ship. They're loading all of the different supplies on, all the Mine's tons of... Tons of potatoes. Nine stories. Nine decks. We are being uh, told from our researcher, Amber, that uh, there were nine decks on this ship. Including the boiler room and the like. Nice. That's insane. 
But after the crew is all boarded and ready to go, the passengers for the ship start to arrive. So we're first introduced to the third and second class passengers, as they all kind of marvel at the ship as well when they're boarding. Uh, I must get on that ship is the song that they sing. So in this, the third class is mostly kind of poor immigrants that are wanting to go to America to start like a new life. Yeah. Second class is just kind of like middle class people. Some of them are just wanting to go to America. Other ones are just kind of wanting to rub elbows with the rich fancy people in first class. Mm -hmm. And then first class is obviously the creme de la creme. They have money to throw. Yes. Wee. Um, Wee. So they all join. We're, we're introduced in this song to a couple characters. A lot of them aren't like super big important, but there are uh, three Irish Kates that are all introduced. Oh. So they all share a first name, but they don't know each other prior to this. And they're like, oh my god, we're like friends now. <laughs> and one of them's, <laughs> one of them's uh, get asked. If she's here alone, she's like, no, I've got a man with me. And they're like, oh, who? It's like, oh, it's that handsome one up there. And I'm going to marry him. When? Oh, when I meet him. Oh. <laughs> Confidence. Yeah. I like it. It's very Amber She's, a, she's, a, yes. real, <laughs> she's a real go-getter in our main Kate of the three Kates. Okay. I feel it. Uh, so we'll learn more, a little bit more about her later. Shortly after all these people get on, the first-class passengers are introduced and they're kind of named are kind of given a brief rundown of their background by a second-class passenger, Alice. So she is one of the people that wants to really rub elbows with the rich people, so she knows all about their, like, dirty laundry, I guess. Oh. Mm -hmm. But this is in the song First Class Roster, so I will give a brief rundown of what all is talked about in this song. So first we have John and Madeline Astor. She is 19 years old, and he is 28 years her senior. Oh. Nope. So she is his second wife, and they've been together seven months. Mm -hmm. She's also seven months pregnant. Oh, <laughs> convenient. Well, so they uh, obviously wanted to get away from that drama, so they eloped to Europe, and now they are making their way back to America. We have Isidore and Ida Strauss. Isidore and his brother combined own Macy's. Oh. So. Rich. Yes. And they're just an old couple. They've been together 40 years. Nice. Aww. They're actually kind of pleasant. And then we have Benjamin Guggenheim. Ooh. Yes, sounds as ridiculous as it, as it looks. Sounds yeah. fun. He got rich by smelting down gold, just kind of throws money around everywhere, and he is there to uh, enjoy his stay with his brand new mistress. Oh. And Alice is just kind of like, no, oh, that's not fair. <laughs> and then we have George and Eleanor Widener. He's pretty much just the richest guy in Philadelphia. That was cool. <laughs> mostly what was said. We have John B. Thayer, who's the vice president of Pennsylvania Railroad. And then we have Charlotte Drake Cardoza. Nobody really knows much about her, other than that she booked the most expensive suite on the ship. <laughs> and she's got all these fancy things she brought in her four dogs. Nice. And so they're like, well, she bought the most expensive thing. She must be somebody. And uh, yeah, with everybody getting all on board, uh, the Titanic sets sail, and the company wishes her a safe crossing in song Godspeed Titanic. Oops. Oh. And that wraps up our prologue, our introduction to most of the characters. And I cut out, like, a lot of people. Because you said like, there's a lot of characters. So many. I'll, I'll mention them if they come up later on, but... I, that also kind of adds to the same where it's like, there's just so much happening, but not anything happening, if that makes any sense. Yeah. No, nah, there was a ton of people that, that showed up on it, but I don't know. I feel like you could have cut down the cast, like, in yeah, half and bit. just have it be a little bit more focused. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually what a lot of the smaller productions ended up doing, where you, you cut the cast down drastically, but you have people playing multiple characters. Yeah. That, that way you kind of keep it the same, but... Cut down on costs. Yeah. So, are we ready to roll on into Act 1? Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Amber says no. No, nope, can't handle it. There's gonna be sadness! Maybe not in Act 1. Okay, I guess. Spoilers. <laughs> Guys, spoiler alert. The Titanic sinks. Oh what? my god! I totally didn't say that in the first sentence. <laughs> Kylie's out of here. Mm -mm, I can't. No, bye. <laughs> <laughs> also, at the uh, at the end of the show, I am going to be uh, holding a test to see who can remember 
which character was which, so make sure you're taking notes. Oh, um, I've already forgotten. Too late. I will be grading very strictly. <laughs> <laughs> so, Act 1, uh, we are now at sea, and Ismay arrives at the bridge to let Captain Smith know that he plans for the ship to arrive in New York City on Tuesday afternoon rather than Wednesday morning. Oh. He wants to go fast. Gotta go fast. Meanwhile, Andrew insists that the maiden voyage be a safe one. They don't want any issues on their their first trip out, but Ismay is uh, determined to build this great reputation for for the ship. Eventually, the news works its way down to the boiler room, and Barrett is he's been around ships for a while, and he disagrees with these orders, and but eventually does comply in uh, the song Barrett's song. Hmm. So yeah, we get we, in the song we just get some more information on Barrett, where he's like a very seasoned sailor, and he knows. He knows exactly how, like, ships are supposed to act and work, and he, you know, he's the master down in the boiler room. He can know exactly what's wrong, like, wherever something's happening. Gotcha. And uh, as they sail, Ismay demands more and more speed. Needs it. He wants to break everything. So yeah, like I said, he wants the ship to build up this big reputation. Smith ends up complying uh, despite objections from Andrew. Smith hails First Officer Murdoch and deems him ready to assume command of his own. Murdoch feels he isn't quite ready for this responsibility yet in the song to be a captain. Captain just kind of wants to, I guess, party around, not really do his job. Well, I think this was supposed to be, like, his last voyage. Yeah, well, he's had a very uh, clean career so far. So he's like, ah, you got this. (laughs) It's very laxed, I guess. (laughs) And then in second class, Alice longs for the grandeur of first class, while her husband, Edgar, is content to stay exactly where they are. I believe he owns a like a department store, and he's very happy with their life right now, but she wishes for all the fancy things in life. Ah. And then we also have Charles Clark, a journalist traveling to America, and is accompanied by his fiancée, Caroline Neville. Caroline's father doesn't approve of their marriage, so they're, you know, getting the heck out of there and going to America. Peace out. Where he's gonna get a sweet job, because he's a great reporter. Screw you, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're introduced to more of the third class where the three Irish girls, all named Kate, dream about opportunities that wait for them in America. In the song, Lady Maid. So this is uh, back when a time where, you know, going to America was the, the great big dream. The roads are paved with gold. There's so much opportunity. Oops. Current day, we are a little embarrassed and kind of don't want to be here. <laughs> it's <laughs> um, Yeah, uh, all, all the kind of immigrants things like, oh, I want to be a lady's maid and so and I want to be a millionaire. I want to own my own business. So everybody has these like kind of hopeful dreams of being in America. Yeah. And then we jump on up to the first class where the big money of industry uh, recount the accomplishments that the world has achieved recently. The Titanic becoming the pinnacle and uh, what a remarkable age this is. So it starts off with the kind of head steward going down the list of like, oh, I know exactly what these rich people need. Uh, Miss Strauss prefers this, blah, 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 and they're all just like, oh, this is so great. <laughs> Essentially just bougie white people being bougie. Yep. Yep. And uh, then we take a look at some of the crew, and in the wireless room, Bride is overwhelmed by all the passengers' personal messages that they are wishing to send, send out, but does manage to find the time to handle Barrett's proposal to his girlfriend. Aww. So once once he gets done with this voyage, he's going to come back and, and marry her. Aww. So he... I actually... This song's really, really sweet. So it's the song, The Proposal, slash The Night Was Alive. So we learned more about Bride where he found this telegram op- operating... I forget what, which word he is, but he's like, I suddenly found my voice, and I, like, found all these other voices, like, talking throughout the world, it's and his, like, story. his life just, like, changed. And then he's, like, kind of, uh... Mixing in the Morse code to the song. It's, it's a cool little, yeah, it's, little bro moment. Yeah, his are some of the, I think, the songs that I actually remember from watching it. Because his just seemed more unique, I guess. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, you don't really get... You get, like, a lot of these people's, like, introduction song, and then it's just kind of... Hey, goodbye. All right, bye. <laughs> we got these, like, 18 other people that need to sing the song. So, But I, I like that song. It's uh, very loving and sweet. 
On Sunday morning, the first class attends religious service and then dance on the deck to The Latest Rag. Oh. The song, The Latest Rag. They're a little, little funky, but they're uh, having such a great time on the deck, feeling the, uh, the great breeze, and, you know, just having a great time. So that's a kind of fun, upbeat song. Alice manages to kind of sneak into their ranks, have a little bit of fun, do some, do some dancing around. But she is caught several times by stewards and sent back to her rightful place. Edgar finds her, and they, the two kind of have an argument over their lifestyle choices. And the song, I Have Danced. So she's like, I've seen what the upper life is, and I want that. It's like, how we've got this as our current setup. How do you not want more? And he's just like, I don't know. It's just, I've got all I need. <laughs> I'm a happy man. So they're just kind of button heads on that. Um, eventually, evening draws near. And the temperature drops, becomes very cold, there's no wind, and the lookout fleet finds it hard to spot anything in the song, No Moon. So it's kind of like a omen, something bad's happening. It's all quiet, cold, and it's the way it is, there's, it's hard to see anything coming up, even though they know they're charting into waters that have icebergs. Dun-dun-dun. Foreshadowing. On deck, Kate McGowan tells Farrell that she needs to... Uh, Marry somebody, for she is carrying the child of a married man. Oh, oh no! Um, yeah, so, in the in the previous songs, they've been kind of, like, having little flirty moments and seem to be into each other. So he says, ah, I like you. You you have a lot of fun, and you don't take smack from nobody, and nobody's gonna tell you what to do. I like you. Sure, let's do it. <laughs> it's like, once we get off this boat, let's let's get married. It's like, uh, okay, sure. All right, I mean. Whatever, whatever. Floats your boat. Floats your boat. <laughs> nope. Well, not this one. <sighs> uh, also, kind of during this same song, the uh, Strausses discuss their plans for the years to come, while Charlotte uh, confuses the first-class men as she joins them for cards in the smoke room. The yeah. song Autumn. Got it. So we learn a little bit from some of the men on the first class that apparently she um, she's a widow, recent widow. Oh. And they're like, well, we understand you might be acting strange. You just recently lost your husband. And she's like, yeah, I did. But I didn't lose him during a camp- game of cards. We're going to play? <laughs> oh. And it's just kind of right. like... Sassy. Okay. And yeah, it's like, at the time, it's like, this is the men's room. You're not supposed yeah. to be in the Women men's room. And she's like, oh, come on, boys. It's new age out there. <laughs> Screw you. We're going to America. <laughs> Pretty much. So kind of, a lot of the women are just kind of like, take no shit a little bit. So it's kind of cool. I'm here for it. Yeah. Strauss is, they're, they're just, just a really cute old couple. They've just nice. been together for a while, and they just don't hate each other. And that's just nice. Nice. But all is not well for long, for Fleet spots an iceberg too late, but does eventually alert the bridge, and Murdoch tries to take evasive action. But the Titanic strikes the iceberg. No! Ah. And that is going to wrap up Act 1. Wow. With a, with a bang. Nobody could have saw that ending to the act. Nope. And yet, I almost didn't expect it to happen this soon. In Act 1? Yeah. yeah. Also, I don't know, maybe I'm, like, thinking of the movie, because that's the main thing I know about Titanic. It's, like, yeah, nearer the end. Where it, yeah. So, I... So, I don't know. I, I, only just, listened, I didn't expect it to happen yet. I only listened to the music. Don't know what the stage production is fully like. I feel like you get majority of the show kind of from the music, but I think there is a decent amount cut. But just listening to the music, it seems like things happen very fast. Yeah. Also, this is my little fun fact about what I remember from the show, and it's the main thing I remember from the show, is they actually show the Titanic hitting the iceberg in the show that I watched. However, it was a little RC car. <laughs> a little RC car boat that they that they uh, drove into an iceberg, and it was ridiculous. And that's the one thing I remember, because it was so stupid. Hey, they gotta try something. They took a, such a serious moment, and it was just like... <laughs> Oh no! Oh no, an iceberg! Like, alright guys, a lot of people died. (laughs) Yeah, that's what what I remember from that show. But yeah, what do we think about Act 1 so far? Uh, too many characters. Yeah. There's a lot going on. Yeah, that's my main thing. It's like, you just told me that whole thing, but I know none of it. I know there are a bunch of Kates. Yeah, there's Kates, there's a cute old couple. Uh, Yeah. There's a pregnant lady. It just, it doesn't stay with me. I don't know. Yeah, I think this one this one struggles because, like, again, the story of Titanic had so many 
significant people on it, where like the the movie was able to introduce all these characters, maybe not so much in like naming them and getting their own backstory, but you were able to recognize them because you could see their faces in various scenes. Whereas the musical, you can't really do that. You have to identify them by their singing. Like that's really the only discernible thing because most people are sitting too far away from, from the stage anyway. So I think it's like they tried to tell the story of these people, which I appreciate, but they also get lost because we don't have time to focus on them. Like, in my opinion, you can cut out all of the first class characters. Like, they can be there, but I don't think... Like, they don't really add too much to the story, other than that they're just characters that the events are happening to. Like, if you trim it down to where it's, like, the designer, captain... The owner. And the owner. Like, their dynamic's okay, because they, like, kind of have differing opinions and arguing. You got... The people down in the boiler room. Yeah, that's important. And then Kate and Farrell. Like, the, the love story. And the it. messenger guy, I think. that's Yeah, and the messenger. And Bride. Trim it down to just about those characters, and you have a little bit more of a cohesive story, but it's still also, like, so segmented. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, this just struggles because it's not... I don't know, there's just not a clear plot line around the fact that there's a boat that crashed. Right. There's, yeah, there's really... Not. Like you're saying, they don't have like cohesive thing here. Like there's not, and yeah. I get that it's hard to do. It is. Like how do you focus on like one person that died on the Titanic out of all of them? So I get it. <laughs> That's why the movie but... invented new characters. <laughs> right, exactly, and that worked for them because there was a focus alongside the fact that of the boat sank. Yeah, but right. this just is trying too hard to do too much. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a bit it's a bit jumbled. But I appreciate what they attempted to do with it. Mm. And it, music doesn't sound bad. It's enjoyable to listen to. But it, I'm not adding it to any playlist. Nope. There's so many group songs, you can't even really like sing along to them, in a way. Yeah. You have to be able to sing along, dude. Yeah. You have to. It's one of our criteria. <laughs> yeah. my criteria, for sure. Yep. yep. There's, there's a song that comes up in Act 2 that's... The, the three main guys, the uh, designer, captain, and owner, all are, like, singing together, but it's, like, segmented, because they're kind of, like, yelling at each other. Yeah. And that one's really, really good. It's probably, like, my favorite one in the show. But, yeah, it doesn't get as cluttered, because they're not all, like, trying to sing at once. It's like, no, this is my turn to yell at you, and this is my turn to yell at you. <laughs> so, I don't know. Just wasn't my cup of tea. Yeah. Sure. Sure thing. I'm not, like, I don't care about most of the characters. Unfortunately. Yep. Yeah. It's rough, but... Yeah, it, I mean... It's kind of we'll boring. See, we'll see how Act 2 is. It's kind of boring, yes. Yeah, and, like, we all know where the story's gonna end up. Yeah, it's, it was a weird story to put into a musical. Mm-hmm. Like, again, we, we know what's gonna happen. It doesn't add anything new, per se. Yeah. So it's, it's just kind of like we're all just waiting <laughs> for the inevitable end. Yeah. <laughs> Which is... Unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. But, eh. Okay, how about we jump into uh, our theater fact, Kylie? <gasps> Woo. Woo. Not quite a theater fact this time, but... A fact. Oh, oh. Tidbit? Bonus info. Bonus. Yeah. Did you know there might have been a man too drunk to die on the Titanic? Charles Jones was the chief baker on the ship. When the ship began to sink, he started drinking all the whiskey he could find. Once he had his fill, he tossed cheers overboard and used them as flotation devices. So he, yeah, he was a person that did end up surviving this. Interesting. And that was the story that he told, so... Who knows if it was... Presumably, the alcohol, like, kept his body temperature up enough, but I think the Mythbusters did yeah, something... Yeah, that's actually false. Yeah. So alcohol actually tricks you into thinking that you're warm, but it actually lowers... Uh, your body well, either way, he got hammered right before hopping off the Listen, boat. Listen, he was like, I'm probably gonna die. I'm gonna drink this really expensive whiskey. Mm-hmm. I'd probably do the same, you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking of in the recent uh, Jurassic Park, I think it was, there's a scene of like when they're running away from the dinosaurs. I think a, a the dude, dude has the margaritas. Dude grabs yeah. like an extra margarita and is like running away with it. I thought that was just like him just, just <laughs> grabbing like bottles as he's like running Here away. Yeah, I mean, even if it scientifically didn't keep him warm, if it mentally convinced him, like, it probably, the mental yeah. battle is probably more than mm-hmm. the physical battle at that point, because your body's numb. 
in that yeah. water. So, like, if he thinks he's okay, or if he's just, like, drunk and gone enough to be like, yeah, whatever, dude, I'm in the water. Yeah, he was... That's how he, like, yeah, as long as you kept hold, himself going. Yeah. As long as you hold on to that will to survive, mm-hmm. you can survive all insane stuff. It's yeah. like that weird placebo effect, mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. And so, it's wild, so... Maybe that's all it took. Hey, that's why I, that's why I put it in question where he might have just been too drunk to die. <laughs> that is yeah, interesting. So we just want to say thanks for twenty three hundred downloads. That is super exciting. We're very excited. We're always excited. We're doing real good, and we are real excited about it. And we've been putting out more content on our social medias. So I hope you like that stuff. Amber's been working really really hard. So please go look at that stuff. You can usually find us at Save Me an Isle Seat or at Save an Isle Seat, depending on where you're looking. If you're curious to see our faces and mostly doing dumb, goofy videos, that's where you're going to find it. Yes. But I think that's actually it for our little intermission things. We just wanted to pop in and say thanks for the extra 2,300 downloads. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. We still haven't gone out to celebrate, but we're trying. COVID makes it hard. We are going to do our best. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's hard that our schedules make it hard. Yeah, That's we, also true. Yep. Adulting is hard. We're doing our best. Try real hard. But are we ready to sink into Act 2? Mm, crash our way into Act 2? Flounder our way into Act 2? Gosh, that's... Snap in half into Act 2. Dog paddle? <laughs> Puns about a very tragic event or not great. I don't know. Yep. Are we, are we ready? Let's, yeah, let's float our way into Act 2. Alright. That's a safe one. Hey everyone, sorry to interrupt. But do you know that the Ragtag Network has its own merch? You can get merch for your favorite shows such as Bag of Bones, Save Me an Isle Seat, or Total Tomfoolery. Just visit www.ragtagnetwork.com slash merch now to check things out. Act 2 begins with stewards uh, beginning to wake up the passengers while they themselves not having a whole lot of information on the whole situation that's happening. The song, Wake Up, Wake Up. So they're pretty much asking them to put on their flotation devices, and they're like, why? And they're like, uh... Yes. It's a common courtesy. <laughs> and they're like, no, I paid a lot of money to be here and not be bothered in the middle of the night. F off. <laughs> and they're like, ah. I mean, if a steward came into my room and said, hey, put on this flotation device, I'd probably just do it. Yeah. You know? Like, <laughs> I don't care how unsinkable a thing is. If someone says put on your, your safety device, I'm probably gonna do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In any are, situation, if you tell me to put on a safety device, it's like when the, I'm probably gonna do it. When the flight attendant tells you to put on your seatbelt, even though nothing is going on, I 100% put on my seatbelt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not gonna risk it. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. The power of dumb white people is... Be strong. Powerful. Rich dumb white people. Yes. So, our Captain Smith arrives on the bridge and is briefed on the situation. He orders all passengers to put on their life vests, and Bride begins to send distress messages, and for Andrews to inspect the damage and figure out what all they're dealing with. So, Andrews eventually returns, saying that the damage they took was more than the ship was designed to endure, and that they're gonna sink! (gasps) Panic! He also reminds them that there, there are only enough lifeboats for less than half of the people on board. Oh. Which, ooh, because of the Titanic, is something that is not allowed anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's rough. Yeah, they have extras on board they, now. <laughs> they definitely didn't plan on a sink. No. <laughs> they messed up. So the first class passengers, being dumb, snooty, privileged people, refuse to believe that anything is wrong, and they're very annoyed about being woken up. And the song, uh, Dressed in Your Pajamas, The Grand Salon. The crew members also kind of assume that nothing is wrong until uh, a food cart starts rolling on its own the due to the ship kind of <laughs> sinking, tur- like turning into a V. <laughs> so uh, that causes a panic, and all the passengers and crew hurry to the lifeboats. Uh, in third class, the three Kates and Farrell attempt to find a way to the boat deck because they're down below, so they're way in a lo- way more danger than than everybody else but are kind of hopelessly lost until our uh, boiler boy, Barrett, <laughs> shows up and shows them a way out. So in the song, The Staircase. Smith arrives in the radio room where Bride informs them that the only ship kind of in the area is the Carpathia. They won't be able to arrive until the Titanic is already under the water. So it's going to yeah. be 
rough time for everybody. So, Smith, Andrews, and Ismay all argue over who is to blame for this situation in the song. The blame. So this is the song I was talking about earlier where they all take turns like yelling at each other. It's just like angry men, powerful song. It's cool. I like it. Yeah, powerful, scared. <laughs> yeah. Angry men. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, like any decent <laughs> crisis, the women and children are ordered to get on the boats first. So everybody's just kind of getting loaded up and it's it's very, very sad because the men are having to stay behind in the song to the lifeboats. So, like, the... the oh, no. They're trying to keep the children distracted, thinking that it's like a game. And the husbands are all like, don't, don't worry, I'll be fine, I'll come find you guys in the morning. Definitely not. <laughs> so, Murdoch uh, orders Fleet and Barrett into the last boat to help man the oars. But Barrett doesn't actually know how to row. No. At least that's his excuse. So he ends up letting Farrell onto the lifeboat in his spot instead, so that way... Him and Kate can continue their uh, marriage, their new newly new budded love relationship. Uh-huh. She has a she has a interesting line. They're arguing about like him not getting on the boat, but she's like, "I don't want to be a widow before I'm a bride." Oh, it's just kind of like fair. Oh, yeah, fair. All right. <laughs> so yeah, he ends up getting on the the boat, and everybody kind of like wishes their their loved ones farewell. And the song "We'll Meet Tomorrow." Oof. Which is just kind of sad. Everybody's depression much time. <laughs> accepting their fate. The bellboy tells the captain that all the boats have been launched and everyone else still on the ship has more or less accepted their fate. Murdoch tries to take responsibility for the accident, but Smith kind of forgives him and laments on how he hasn't had a single accident his whole career in the song to be a captain reprise. And yeah, he's just kind of like, well, I done goofed. Captain goes down with the ship. <laughs> yeah. One of the few uh, women that actually stayed on the ship is uh, Edith Strauss. So she kind of alluded to it uh, earlier, but she's a little little stubborn about the relationship. And she's like, I'm not going to leave you, you idiot. <laughs> idiot. I'm staying here with you. So they uh, kind of reaffirm their, their long-lasting love in the song still, which is another Aww. kind of like Aww. sweet song. But it's all just kind of like, yep, we're going to die. Going out together. Yeah. <laughs> so Captain... Officially declares the ship lost, and Andrews remains in the smoking room, kind of obsessing over the ship's plans. He's trying to figure out, well, if I did this or th- or this, it could be saved and not sink. But he's like, the the room is like slowly filling with water as he's like still looking over the plans. So he's, he's kind of officially lost it. lost it, and eventually he goes beneath the waves in the song. Mr. Andrews' vision, or Andrews' visions. In the morning, uh, the passengers that are on boats are rescued by the nearby ship, the Carpathia, and they recount the tales of the Titanic, mourning the loss of the people who stayed behind. Bride and Ismay discuss the possibilities that could have prevented this disaster in the song The Foundering, and the survivors express hope that they will one day be reunited with their lost loved ones in the song, in every age slash finale. That's how it ends, so most of the people die. Sad boy hours. Yeah. So, how do we feel about this show, y'all? Rough. Over half of the people that got on board that ship ever. Almost like two thirds, right? Something like that. A lot. Yeah. Yeah, most people on the ship died, and it could have been prevented, and it was it's just a horrible thing. And why was this made into a musical? (laughs) No one knows. Yeah, there's there's so many things that were, like, brought up in the musical that, like, this could have been a plot thing, but it really wasn't necessary. Yeah. Like, why does Kate, why is she pregnant with a... a married man's... A married man's baby? <laughs> why can't it just be two people fall in love on a boat? Because that would be too easy. Not enough sadness at the end. Or sad. Maybe we're missing some context from... Things that happen not in songs. Yeah. But since we all kind of ultimately knew where it was going, like all these plot points that are coming out, it's like, you don't care? Yeah. yeah. And it, uh, kind so of, are these based off of people that were... I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Most of the like first class was definitely based off of people that were actually on the ship, or at least from the roster. So is this trying to tell that, like their actual stories? Is that just where it comes from? Cause but it's like interpretations and... 
yeah, it was just kind of like, this person was on it, so we're putting them there. But it's like, that's not how you do musicals. Yeah, no, it just, it just seems so wrong. Yeah, it felt like they were just trying to shoehorn in a lot of stuff that didn't work. I mean, the entire thing is a weird, is again a weird pick for a musical. No, like it's it's a straight up tragedy, you know. <laughs> yeah, too too much I've happening. Seen the tragedies work as musicals. Yes, but you have to do it right. Yes, and they didn't. Well, it's like you gotta you gotta build up time with a character in order to make the tragedy hit harder. It, yes, right. And I feel like this is like nobody got enough time by themselves. Like yeah, it's I sad. Connected to any of the characters. It's nope. sad that Barrett. Gets, let's go to the let's go to the name test. Barrett. Who's Barrett? That's the boiler room the guy. Boiler guy. Uh, Barrett for boiler. <laughs> yeah, but it's like it's like oh yeah, he had a girlfriend and was like Proposed wanting to marry her. But it's just kind of like oh, okay, uh, sure. Oof. It's a yeah, little bit sadder. He traded his spot for another guy who fell in love with a girl, so it's like... Who was going to marry a person. Yeah, so it's kind of like a... Right. So. Yeah. Like, they weren't even attached as much as Barrett was. So yeah. Like, right. It's just like... Uh, yeah. uh, so, I don't know if we're just, like, spoiled. Because we but recently had, like, a really good tragedy really story. Really good tragedy. Yeah. And that was, like... We were talking about Hadestown. Yeah. yeah. Where it's like, you have a concise, cut-down cast. It is mostly about four characters... Yeah. With the fifth one just being mostly as a narrator. So it's like... Direct storyline, still a tragedy, still hits your heart every time. Still told at the very beginning that it was going to be a tragedy, and still hurts every time. Mm -hmm. Whereas Titanic, it's like... You you know it's going to be a tragedy. But it's it's not the same. It doesn't hurt the same. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that's part of why I think the movie works, too. Yeah. Is because it had that preface also from the beginning of, like, here's this future where, yes, it crashed, blah, blah. Like, you get the future perspective. Yeah. Let's go back in time and see how it happened. Let's relive it. Yeah. Whereas this is like, it's happening. There's it's happening right now. Oh, phew, crash. What? What? Rough. <laughs> to, to quote YouTube uh, series that Katie and I really love. Oh, things are just happening now. Okay. <laughs> things are just happening. It's... That's fair. Yep. That's just kind of... The show. Not bad by any means. No. But but not the best. True. Or the good. I, I feel like around that time, <laughs> late 90s, at least a couple shows that we've covered that have been kind of around that time, sound very similar to this show. So I think for the going audience at the time, it was just like, that's how shows were. And I think that's why it won so many Tonys. Yeah, because I mean, 1999. Because I feel it was 97. When it came out. But, I mean... But, yeah. It, it's... Kylie had a comment, I don't know if it was a recorder before we started recording, but it's like, it, it sounds like a musical. It's a stereotypical musical sound. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Just didn't, didn't work for me in the show. Nope. Yeah, as a show, it just doesn't work. Like, it, I don't know. It, it, like, it, again, it took such a... A huge historical event, a huge tragedy, and ended up turning it into a thing that we can't feel sad about. Like, we're more disappointed about the show than we are sad about the event. Whereas, like, if you take, there's also a show about the Civil War, and those songs, like, hurt. Like, every other song is hurt because it's about the war and it really goes in depth. Whereas this one is just like, things are happening, and okay. We get it. They're happening. And you got you got shows like Les Mis, but that yeah. has like a decent number of characters in it. But the songs about like the the people on the Revolution Front, like, they still you, you know work. it's it's in the same vein. It's like you yeah. know how that story is gonna end. You you still kind of like like with the emotion and and stuff built into it. You still have like this lingering hope that like mm-hmm. oh something's gonna be okay. But then obviously it's not. Right. So it's like I don't know. It's just it's like a fart in church, <laughs> you know. It's just kind of, like, awkward. Uh, All right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Weird analogy, but okay. Uh-huh. So, yeah, so that was the show. I mean, again, make, make your own conclusions about it. We always we always recommend you listen to it or go see it and make your own judgments because we, we might be biased a certain way. We don't know. But to us personally, this is a, a show that was not done properly. It, you know... It has the bones, and we know tragedies can work, but this one was not done correctly. Trim the fat. 
yeah, it's it needs to be more probably more concise. We need to focus on some characters so we can actually be devastated by their deaths, you know? Which is a terrible thing to say because it really did happen. But that's just the fact of the matter. Like, we, you don't feel it unless you feel connected. So. I felt sad for the Strausses. Yeah. Yeah. But they were just a, an old couple, like, that just had, like, love songs. And, yeah, there's. But they're, like, not integral to the story. They're just yeah. kind of there. Also, fun fact apparently, what she said when he kept pleading for her to get on the ship is, We have lived together for many years. Where you go, I go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was said in the, one of their songs. Also, the two died together on the Titanic, but only Isidore's body was found. Aww. Before we wrap up this one, I have one more fact for you, because it's still semi-relevant. And it is about Milvina Dean. She was two months old when she got on the Titanic, and she was the youngest survivor. She's also the longest living survivor, obviously being two months old. And she actually passed away in 2009, so she lived to be 97. Wow. Wow. So it's her, her older brother, and her parents boarded the ship. They were British. They were going to go to emigrate to Wichita, Kansas. But when, you know, the iceberg hit, they actually survived except for Dean's father. And uh, his body was never found, sadly. But Dean's mother was terrified by this event, obviously. So she ended up going back to England with her two children. But, yeah, Dean actually became active in commemorating the victims of the Titanic. So she used her life to commemorate what she had witnessed even as a newborn. Yeah, I probably don't remember that, but... Yeah, she. I mean, she would have literally no recollection yeah, of it. But but it's cool that, she's, that she used her life to, like, talk about yeah. the situation and bring light to those that did, did pass away. So very, very neat lady. She passed away 11 years ago. No. About that. God, is is it really that long? When we you said when you said the now. year, it didn't feel like that long ago. But. Yeah, that was she passed away in my freshman year of high school. Oh God. <laughs> but yes, with that, we will go ahead and wrap up this episode. So again, thank you so much for getting us to the twenty three hundred downloads. That is wild. We are super excited about that. We're crushing the numbers. Crushing the numbers. We are now at episode fifty one, which is just wild. So we're really excited to be there and to continue bringing you fun, exciting things for the future. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So be sure to like and subscribe to us wherever you're listening to podcasts. This will make sure that you get our episodes as soon as possible. Make sure you don't miss out on any of our great announcements. If you ever got, like, new merch or new shows, all that jazz, you're going to find them first. It's great. Yeah. Do it. Do it. Hit the like button. Smash that like button. Pow. Sink it into the ocean. Oh. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Slam an iceberg into it. Uh, <laughs> nope. Terrible. Okay. <laughs> if you ever happen to find yourself on Apple, please leave us a five-star review. It helps us boost up in the numbers and get noticed. Yes, we like being noticed. And, uh, of course, the best way to do that so we can get noticed by all the senpais in the world that you need to tell your friends and family and co-workers and strangers you meet on a boat. That's hopefully not doomed. Just tell it, yeah, tell everybody about us because that really helps us up in that organic growth, which you guys are obviously doing because we are getting those downloads and seeing those numbers, and we are just super excited to see that. Con- we see you. Continue. We see you. We see you. We see you seeing us. Seeing you. Well, they're, they're yeah. not see- seeing us. They're Listen- listening to We them. see you listening to us. Yep. <laughs> We appreciate you. It's Just know, we're watching. Always. Always. <laughs> we're, we're not watching you, I promise. But <laughs> if you want to check us out on more than just this cool podcast, you can find us pretty much all over the internet. So you can find us on Facebook at Save Me Anousey. You can find us on Twitter at Save Anousey. You can find us on Instagram at Save Me Anousey. You can find us on YouTube under the Ragtag Network. All kinds of things. Or if you want to do it a little more privately, you can email us at savemanalseat at gmail.com. Yeah, so if you if you like more shows that we haven't covered yet, and or if you find like a weird one that you want Matt to cover, like I, I happen to do this week, then go ahead and email us and we'll try and fit that into our program, as it were. I'll happily take recommendations. I yeah. like finding the strange ones. Matt does like finding the strange ones. And there are so many musicals, we probably won't be able to cover all of them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's almost impossible, but we're going to do our best. So send us the ones that you want to listen to. Also, so for more shows and things like this, we do have more shows under our 
network. So you can find us at www.ragtagnetwork.com. And we have shows like Back of Bones and Total Tomfoolery and very soon Isolation Theater. I promise it's coming. <laughs> so we've got a bunch it of projects. It is still happening. It's, it's happening. So going to our website is the best way to keep track of all the things coming out. And also, if you really like more facts, especially about this show, like the Titanic, I will be posting a lot of extra stuff on our blog post for this week. So go ahead and check that out there. I, it's one of my, unfortunately, favorite subjects to go into. So you'll see lots of fun facts on there and little things that I compile from the internet. So I'll go ahead and check that out. And also for our merch, we haven't added anything this week, but we do have some really cool stuff. Sad Boy Hour shirt would fit very well for this week. So you can find that at our website and just add the slash merch on there. You'll get cool stuff. We are still supporting 10% to the Actors Fund. So go ahead and support them by supporting us. So it's really cool of you. But I think that will wrap up this episode of Save Me Now Seat. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Save Me an Aisle Seat. We do this show for fun, but if you'd like to support us, you can check out our Ko-Fi at www.ko-fi.com slash ragtagnetwork. For more episodes and shows like this, go to our website at www.ragtagnetwork.com. This show is brought to you by the Ragtag Network. If you love stories from American history, but are curious to follow down the more unbeaten path, then this five-star podcast is for you. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Bougere, and I'm a full-time author that loves to dig up stories that didn't quite make it into the mainstream history books. I lean more towards the darker side of American history. The curious, the strange, the deadly. Legends, murders, rituals, hauntings, traditions, and beliefs and the interesting collection this country was founded on. Join me every week with a new story that peeks behind the curtain of America's yesterday. You never know what I'll find in my bag of bones.